I think one of the things that has fascinated me the most about academia is international conferences. And I still recall my first truly international conference in Milan in 87. And it was in the heydays of the organizational culture movement and there was a lot of focus on symbols and culture. And we were in Milan and there were panels with all these very, very hyped designers and architects as sort of an inspiration for for business school scholars. And the feeling of meeting people from pretty large part of the world that were interested in the, in the same topics, were engaged in passionate discussion, and to realize this is part of your work. I mean, that was overwhelming. And I think to this day, I have always gotten re-energized in my work by attending international conferences, simply by meeting new people, getting new inspiration. And the Milan conference was special because sometimes you're also lucky that there are, you know, panels with some really mind-boggling people and at that time it was all the fashionable designs but that that is a very important source of inspiration for me it rarely happens maybe that's why it makes such a great impression on me when it does but sometimes when i meet people who are passionate about something i get inspired by them The joy that beams from their eyes while they tell you about their hobbies or career paths and the privilege it is to have found the one thing that interests them the most is very appealing. It gives me the sensation that there is something out there for everyone. Something that draws your attention more than most other things. Something that makes you happy and continues to do so for decades. And recently... That happened. My name is Kasper Christensen, and this is a CBS Wire podcast series we call Outside the Box. It's a series where we meet some of the most colorful people at CBS, who with their stories and personalities make the university a happy and diverse place to be. And now, here's one of the most persistent and passionate researchers at CBS. Professor of Management and Organization Studies, Maiken Schultz. Maiken Schultz, since uh, 84 you've been here at CBS, and since 1996 you've been a professor at the, the Management of Organization Studies. Has it always been your dream to be a professor? or? Well, it became my dream when I took my PhD at CBS from 84. I was a student, I was political science, I was working in the Ministry of Finance, and I saw myself having a spectacular career. But I met several PhDs and stuff, and I thought, well, maybe it would be interesting to take a PhD. It was not even called a PhD back then. And it was rather accidental that I came across CBS, which was not called CBS at the time. And I think, seen from the Copenhagen University perspective was a real low-ranking institution. So nobody that I knew at the time understood why on earth I would go into this uh, sort of non-academic business school. So so I came and, and you can say the rest is history in the sense that I ended up at CBS. 
And in that process, yes, it, I think pretty early on it became clear that I would like to become a professor. And it also became clear to myself that if I didn't succeed in the various you know, levels from PhD to assistant and so on, that I would pursue another career. So it was also, okay, if it works out, it's going to be fun. I would love to do it. But I was also at the time working as a consultant uh, and, and, and did other things. I've always done other things at the side. So it was never uh, the only career path that was possible. But it was my preferred one. And it turned out that, that things worked out for me. But I did become a professor at a rather young age. As a first professor with the Sprug Institute, which was exciting in its own right. And after 10 years, I moved back, you can say, to my old organization studies, which was also good, because I think if you spend a whole life at CBS, it should also be possible to change, mm-hmm. so you meet new people and, and renew yourself. But but for many, many years, it was my dream, yes. So it doesn't sound like it was a childhood dream. No, no, I wanted to be a, a journalist, and I wanted to be an archaeologist, and I had a father who worked uh, in Berlingsgetiden, actually. And he did a lot to convince me that journalism at that time was a very rough environment with too many beers and too many late hours. Mm. Uh, so anyways, uh, no, it's, the professorship came, I think, with um, studying political science and meeting some people from research as part of my university education. But it was certainly not my childhood dream, no. Mm. Was there any point in time or an event or anything like that that sparked your interest in academia? Yeah. Uh, as, a, as a student, I met a American professor who invited me to a conference, I actually remember it in Sweden, where I, I was younger. and But this experience of 30 people sitting in a room having really interesting conversations about what they considered to be important topic sounded to me both like a complete luxury, but also it was very fascinating. I think it was the passion of uh, research that engaged me opposed to the civil servant, the Ministry of Finance, where I was working, mm. where it was some very different values. It was not right or wrong, but it was just a very different style. And I think the the engagement and the... And the relevance of a lot of, I think, social science has always been able to address issues at a, at a more broad level that was concerning the times we were living in and the way we were organizing ourselves and companies and all kinds of, of organization. And that just, I just found that fascinating. And yeah, but I think it was the, the debate and the international, again, the international outlook that CBS also had early on. And you can say this was after the 70s, which was very, very politicized. I was studying uh, political science when the left-wing movements were very strong. And I was part of it. But you can say it became very restrictive. Mm-hmm. And it was very much almost about being a good soldier in in academic sense. So CBS to me was a revelation of... Uh, broad-minded thinking, international outlook, some interaction with practice. It was not a high academic level with today's standard, but it was very entrepreneurial, very innovative. Mm -hmm. And uh, to me, it was extremely fascinating. So I I have 
forever I have a very strong affinity for the Department of Organization and I really think it has been able to renew itself uh, multiple times. Mm. And at the time we were four PhD students. So there wow. was, and t- today we have 40 plus. <laughs> so it was also a, a very different uh, period. Mm. But nevertheless, it was fascinating. As an organizational researcher, you spend, of course, a lot of time reading, uh, studying in your office. And what has always kept me going has been these longitudinal case studies where I've had the privilege of getting closer to a company. And when I think back, all the companies I have worked with have been doing some, they have been sort of sort of manufacturing. I mean, done some material stuff that you could feel and experience. And the strongest experience was my time with legal, where I started legal for, ended up seven years, and you were surrounded by bricks. In the meetings room, in the legal history museum, in the sort of design area, you were, you were I know it's a phrase, but you were, you were breathing bricks and, and experiencing bricks in the sense that it was extremely strong coming from an office job. And, and we used also at the time, you, they were very keen on using legal to build strategies and build ideas called serious plays. So we used also legal break as part of our research where we had people built the problems that they saw legal was facing at the time. So, so the way that the material products interacted with our ideas and our informants and just sort of dwelling into it was very fascinating and I've experienced it later with Arla and Carlsberg and Bang and Olesen that I've all studied where, where there's a huge experiential dimension and that they are doing, of course it, it's also products that you can relate to because at the end of the day we consume them or we are passionate about them. But that has also been a great source of inspiration and I find it fascinating. You uh, became a professor at a rather young age. How was it like back then to enter the halls of of CBS? You would probably say, I mean, there has been so much self-scrutiny about being a woman, Mm. if that's your question, right? Mm. About being a woman in academia and a woman in business. And there's no doubt that with today's attitude there were issues and situations that you that I was part of that you would not accept today. Mm-hmm. But you just didn't think about it the same way. I mean, it's always a two-way street, and I think the mentality was different, both what women would put up with and what was a natural way of being, and also what the, what the men thought was a natural way of behaving. Mm-hmm. I've never been misused, make it very, made very clear at all. But of course, there was a, it was a male environment. Mm. And CBS, I mean, I'm very lucky today that I am at a very, at a, a department with extremely strong female researchers. So today, I don't think about it at all. Mm. When I became the first female professor, it was a department that was a combination of economy and language. 
So there were quite a lot of female faculty. So I have never been in my research life. I have never felt like the token woman. But I mean, the awareness has changed and I'm completely aware that there's still a lot of barriers for young women in research, particularly between associate professor and full professorships. I mean, that's an objective fact. Mm. And in that sense, I'm aware that you need to support female talent. And uh, I've become increasingly aware of that in, in all the things that I do. But again, I'm, I'm gifted with a local environment where we have a very good gender balance, which means you, you stop thinking gender. Mm. But in, in many other areas, and also at, I'm sure at CBS, it, it, it's probably still an issue. Mm. I mean, I have a lot of respect for that discussion. Mm. So I'm not pretending it doesn't exist. Mm. Um, and that we have a role as senior women, if you will, to be also role models and help support female talent in particular. Mm. As I mentioned before, you have been here uh, for many years now. Um, how do you continue to uh, keep on being interested in, in academia and in your research fields? I mean, the one privilege you have as an academic is that you are allowed to change your topic and you are allowed to change your perspective. Hmm. And I think that I have taken advantage of that privilege Uh, in the sense that I have been involved in four or five different rather significant areas of organizational culture, which I did my PhD. Then I started working on organizational identity and the related topics of corporate branding and reputation, which was another 10, 10 to 15 years, both working from a very theoretical and a very practice-driven uh, perspective. And then for the last Now, seven years or so, I've been involved with the Center for Organization and Time, which is yet another uh, theoretical perspective, but there's also a strand of continuity. Mm. Because when you study identity, the first question is, where do you come from? What's your heritage? Who would you like to become in the future? And you can see that so that is a simple question in its own right. And when you study cultures, you also are studying layers from the past, and how those layers, practices, materials, influence activities in the present. So I think the, um, I don't feel that I have gone completely from one area to the next with no connection, but at least in my own mind, there has been a continuous set of questions. So I, so I think I have been, because I have always had since 2000, i have had the privilege also of having board positions uh, along with the uh, professorship. And that has, in a sense, given me a way, a peephole <laughs> into, the, into the boardroom, into the considerations of a lot of leading. I've been lucky to sit in a lot of very exciting companies and institutions in Denmark. So that has been an enormous source of inspiration. Not that I could ever write about it, but what is on the board's agenda. And the whole engagement in the Center for Organization Time was also very inspired by the need to think in both the need to think in more distant futures, but certainly also how do you leverage and reinterpret your past mm. if you are a agricultural cooperative confronting climate change. So 
so that has been to me I think the reason why I have also been able to I think stay inspired and stay very passionate about my job is that I have had the privilege of going of having that additional connection with practice and also because CBS has given me the opportunity to develop new courses to find ways in which I could use my research and my teaching Hmm. because that's another area uh, where you can say teaching is in a sense also to me a laboratory for your ideas Hmm. and and uh, now I only teach the curriculum teaching but for many many years I also taught a lot of different CANMIAC programs and to try out your ideas with very good students I think we're privileged with some very enthusiastic and bright students has also been a source of inspiration Hmm. so I also Teaching is demanding, but I get a lot of uh, I get a lot of inspiration also from teaching, mm. and I think to experience that some of the ideas you're working with resonate with participants in the classrooms. I mean that is a huge source of uh, motivation also. Mm. So I think it is this combination between the theoretical, classic, academic work you can say with research my links to the practice in the boardroom if you will and then the the teaching situation which in general have been very positive these three things together Mm. i think one of the realization as a researcher is also what makes you where do you get your energy from and i think i've come to realize that uh, being outside in nature exercising is becoming more and more important to me but it's always I'm not a sprinter to put it that way it's always some rowing running hiking these long persistent moves where you get into some sort of meditation space which both open space in your mind for new thoughts but also is is a time for reflection and just this morning, I mean, these first 45 minutes of the day on, on my bike, they are becoming more and more important to collect my thoughts to, you know, what's going to happen. So this is about the persistence. And I think if I should point at one character trait that is needed in research, it's persistence because you get a lot of pushbacks. And I have a lot of anxiety when I hike, for example, in the mountains. But you overcome your anxiety when you're also confronting the fear of the <laughs> empty paper or the fear of the bad argument. But this way to overcome your own anxieties and fears and give yourself some space to reflect, I find that in, in the long persistence and in a sense, a research career is also one big long, uh, it's a lo- very long marathon. <laughs> well, a lot of pit stops, but nevertheless, it's a very long race. You have one of the most impressive and extensive uh, resumes I've ever seen. You've published more than 60 articles in organizational studies journals. Your work has been translated into numerous uh, languages such as Korean, Portuguese and Arabic. And as if that wasn't enough, you're one of the most cited uh, researchers at CBS. What do you think yourself is your greatest achievement throughout your career? Well, Casper, you just haven't looked at other people's CVs. <laughs> so many. Uh, in the natural sciences, you will see completely different profiles. Never mind. I think the greatest achievement for me is that I've been able to collaborate with a lot of uh, exciting people. You can say the one thing I have not done, I have not written a monograph 
a theoretically heavy monograph on a prestigious publishing house. That's the that's the missing bit, if you will, just to to make that clear. But I think I think it's an achievement to form strong collaborations. And for twenty five, almost more than twenty years, I had a very strong collaboration with Mary Jo Hatch, who's an American, who was also at CBS for some years, then was in the UK, now then in the US. Now she is retired. But we have an extremely fruitful uh, collaboration for, and, and I can say an example of a female partnership. Mm-hmm. And maybe because we were at both sides of the Atlantic for many years, we would bring different aspects to the collaboration. I've also collaborated with others, and, and now I, I collaborate strongly with my husband, Professor Torhjernes, uh, which is also something I had never anticipated when we got together. But it just sort of evolved. But to get inspiration from others, and whether it's in papers or book projects or research projects, and to get something out of it, I think that's a great accomplishment. I've also been part of research projects where absolutely nothing came out of it. Uh, I was not in charge, I should say. So I don't take it for granted. So so to to create teams, but also to push things forward. I think I have been fairly good at that. Let's say if I meet you in five or ten years from now, um, do you think you'll still be located here at this office and be a professor of uh, management and organization studies at CBS? Casper, now you are generous. You don't ask of a woman's age, but five years from now, for sure. Ten years from now, not likely, but that's just sheer age. Mm. Okay. Uh, I think we will see what happens with retirement age at the time, but I don't think it's usual to keep going many years after 70. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, it could be nice to meet you. <laughs> uh, Martin Schulz, thank you so much for uh, wanting to talk to me about you and your career. Thank you, Casper, and I think it's great. I mean, the more, as you can see, CBS has been all my professional life, mm. and CBS has been through a massive transformation in these 25 years, mostly for the better. But of course, there's also a risk that we're losing the heritage of CBS, the strong connection to society, the entrepreneurship, the free and open spirit that I think has been the DNA of CBS. So if this can, um, I think it's it's very good that WIRE and others are trying to to articulate what, what CBS is about. So we keep uh, rejuvenating the CBS spirit, which to me has been very important. That's it for this episode of Outside the Box by CBS Wire about Michael Schultz, the experienced professor at CBS who since 1984 has maintained her research stamina and passion for academia. I hope she was just as inspiring for you as she was for me. Please tell all your colleagues, co-students and friends at CBS about our podcast. My name is Casper Christensen, and this was the last episode of Outside the Box for now. Take care.